welcome to Why Choose Reads, where we say why love one when you can love them all. I'm your host, Why Choose Romance author, Sunny Hart, and I'm thrilled to be here today with fellow author, Tani Oakland. Thanks so much for being here, Tani. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and get started with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a baby author. I've got one book out so far with another set to be released November 4th of this year. Um, so far, I'm writing exclusively on why choose, but I may branch out at some point. Um, I'm happily married dog and cat mom with a very inspirational husband. He has created some of my characters for me. Oh, we love that. <laughs> it's so nice when I get to see it in real life. I joke I'm perpetually single. So I love when someone else is living that dream. <laughs> I mean, I keep trying to talk him into a harem, but at least he supports me writing them. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> so why choose is a bit of a unique genre, especially to people who are outside of the genre. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got into the genre. Honestly, I have tried to pinpoint my very first book and I cannot tell you what it was. Nice. I stumbled across it when I first got Kindle Unlimited because okay. that's quite a bit of what's available on Kindle Unlimited. I was too broke to buy books. So I went with the subscription and it opened up a whole world for me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was wonderful. And I fell in love with it. Just the idea that one person could have all of her needs met, but not necessarily from the same partner intrigued me. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been reading it ever since. I love that. Yeah. I can't, I feel like I might've gotten started with it on Wattpad of all things. I want to say it was like the ghost birds series on there but it's hard to pinpoint especially when you read so much like oh. it's hard to pinpoint your first book <laughs> so yeah I want to say it was G Bailey but I honestly couldn't tell you for sure yeah yeah my early ones I think um when I finally made the jump to Kindle Unlimited I think were M Sinclair's new Reborn in Flames series mm -hmm. and yep. um Artemis University with Aaron Flynn um, that one yet. yeah, I got early on that. There's the 20th book just released. So I'm like rereading all of them. <laughs> oh boy, that is a long series. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. Um, so how'd you make the jump from reading to writing? I wrote a lot as a kid, not reverse harem at that time, but I went from short stories to poetry in high school and then I didn't touch it for a long, long time. And then I, started an Instagram book review profile, just nice. kind of for shits and giggles to mm -hmm. see what I could yeah. do. And I left a review for Erin Haven's Spirit Called. Mm. And she replied to me. And Aww. this absolutely astounded me. This was my celebrity moment in life. <laughs> like, oh my God, she's she's a real life author and she's talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it opened up this whole world because we actually became really good friends. And she kind of, we went back and forth just talking about her books for a long time. And she put me onto another pen name she has. And I've read her entire back catalog at this point in time. And I went from that to, I saw Chris Moore advertising for an alpha reader spot. And I was doing the Instagram thing and I was talking to Aaron. I'm like, I could do this maybe. And being his alpha reader really opened my eyes to the fact that authors don't generate a perfect copy on the first time. I had it in my head 
that writing was like perfect from the get go. And reading his first draft, which it, it ended up amazing, it didn't start out amazing. <laughs> like light bulb was turned on that maybe I could do this too. I love that. And it, it kind of just, I, I dropped into my desk chair, I picked up my computer, and I started writing. Nice. And actually, oh. tomorrow is two years from the day I started writing my first book. Oh, happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It was a long time until it was published after that, but I started writing yeah. on September 19th, and it's just been a whirlwind since. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think I think that can be a barrier to a lot of authors as they're starting out is this idea that their books, if it's not perfect, it's not worth doing is almost the mindset. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Being his alpha reader really showed me that you're going to misspell words. You're not going to have punctuation. You're going to write an idea that your alpha readers don't like. Mm-hmm. There was a scene in his very first book that the whole alpha team came back and we, we threw him under the bus. Poor guy. <laughs> he, it was brutal because we all said the same thing, but he knew because we all said the same mm-hmm. thing yeah. that he needed to make an adjustment. So readers of Chris Moore's books, you have me to help thank for that. <laughs> But it was just such an eye-opening light bulb moment that anybody can do it if they put in the time, Mm -hmm. the effort, and they're willing to take the feedback to make it better. Yeah. And you touch on something really important. Feedback is so critical and it's almost become a word that has such a negative connotation with it. Oh, I know. Such a negative connotation. And I think a lot does depend on how it's delivered. Very Um, In fact, I'm part of a writing community where before we're allowed to join a feedback group, we have to take a course on how to give feedback. Wow. It's really interesting and it's really changed the tone of the groups of just, you know, it's not just, and because also sometimes feedback can just be, well, I I really liked it. It's like, okay, well, what did you like about it? And it was like, well, I liked the whole thing. And I was like, that's also not helpful. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. But more, but more like get more specific. What really got you there? (laughs) So, so yeah. So the course is really interesting. Um, and I really love that aspect of it, but yeah, feedback's become almost like a negative word. And mm-hmm. so being open to that is so critical, like you said. Yes, it, it's really important. And through my own first batch of elf readers, I had to learn that just because one person doesn't like it doesn't mean you change the whole story. You have mm-hmm. to weigh, is this a one person's personal opinion? Is mm-hmm. this an issue with the story that everybody's telling you is not okay? And there's some things in the middle. So as an author, that's where it gets difficult is determining mm-hmm. which feedback is going to really improve your book and what is just one person's personal opinion. Yeah. I use a feedback form where I feel like I ask some like opinion questions, like mm-hmm. what were your favorite parts? What were your least favorite parts? You know, were there any things that flowed really well for you or didn't? And then I try to ask more technical questions and hearing this, it's probably my feedback forms probably do for an update as well. You know, just as you, as we learn things, we update things. Mm-hmm. Um, but asking the more technical questions and the stuff where I'm really, um, really looking for answers on. I've started doing that with my alpha reader um, 
I'll leave specific Google comments. I write in Google Docs. So I'll leave comments specific of like, hey, does this flow? Like, am I too in my head about this type of thing? <laughs> yes. No, I've done the same thing with mine. And it's now that I'm on to my third book, my alpha team has changed a little bit. And now I've got just two people, one of which is Aaron Havens. We alpha for each other now. And that. a good friend of mine that I met because she fell in love with my first book. And it just, she's become my bestie since then. It's been kind of a wild friendship ride. But <laughs> between those two, I figure I have most bases covered until I get to my beta stage. And it's it's yeah. been a lot of fun developing those relationships in the community and meeting everybody yeah and those relationships are so important we had Aaron on the podcast actually a few episodes ago now I don't exactly know when all these come out listeners so it's really hard for me to judge there's a schedule floating somewhere that my PA keeps because for the life of me I cannot but Aaron was on there as well and we were talking about relationships too and I think especially when you like you're a baby author and you're coming into it, like forming that f- first few author friendships mm-hmm. is like super critical because writing can be an island, it can be very isolating. Yes, it can be. And honestly, I would not be where I am in the community if it wasn't for Erin giving me those introductions because she introduced me to Dakota Brown and MF Moody and R. Knight and. Rachel Hobbs and so many other authors that are in the same boat as me as they're an indie author. They all started at the bottom and they are such a hugely supportive group of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really been amazing. I've been blessed. Yeah. That's why I think one of my favorite things about this Why Choose community for authors is we're all very willing to help each other because we all are usually self-published or indie authors. So we do it all ourselves <laughs> and, and so having those relationships to like do newsletter swaps or like posting each other's groups and all that mm-hmm. is, is like really really fun well let's pivot a little bit into your books and everything so you've got one book out one book on pre-order but i've I gotta say, I love the series name of How to Train Your Harem because I am a How to Train Your Dragon girly. <laughs> like that is my favorite. I've watched the movies. I've watched all the shows. I've watched the shows that are meant for elementary school kids. Like I have watched all of that. So I love that name. <laughs> like, tell me a little bit about how you got the idea for the name for the first book. All of that. Well, the series name came last, came well after I named the books, and I cannot take full credit for that because it was suggested by an alpha reader that I since have parted ways with. But it was her idea when I was trying to come up with a series name, like, yes, that that is me, because just (laughs) like you, I am a How to Train Your Dragon girl, love dragons, that's why my first series Mm -hmm. revolves around dragons. Yep. (laughs) And I I ran with that. Uh, The series title I struggled with a little bit too, but once I named the first book, the rest all fell in line. Mm -hmm. And the first book, To Call the Clouds, came about because my main character, Maggie, in the first book uh, suffers from chronic migraines and Mm -hmm. severe light sensitivity, which I also do. I was figured, right, what you know would make it a little bit easier, especially for a first book. And the pocket dragon she meets, I say pocket dragon because he's very small. He rides on her shoulder. I love that. (laughs) His magic allows him to control the weather. So Hmm. whenever they're outside and it's sunny, he calls the clouds to block the sun to make it easier for her light (laughs) sensitivity. So 
spinning off of that, each of the titles for the books revolves around what the individual dragon's magical gifts are. Mm, Very cool. Book two, which is coming out in November, is To Heal All Wounds. That dragon is, of course, a healer, and he can sense everyone's emotions around him. Mm, I love that. Okay. So you mentioned the you write what you know, which I think (laughs) is true for a lot of us. Um, Tell me a little bit more about Maggie and how she developed in your head. Like for me, it's a piece of dialogue usually that like really gets that character's like personality for me. But it's interesting to hear how it works for other authors. Well, I don't know if I should admit this, but Maggie is very much like me. <laughs> there are differences, but there is so much of me in Maggie. It's it's kind of scary. Um, not everything, of course. It's a work of fiction after all. So there's definitely things that aren't about me. But she has a love of photography, which that is one of my hobbies. Mm-hmm. She hopes to move from her day job into a full-time photography business. She's a plus-size girl who's been mm-hmm. ridiculed for her weight over the years. Bad, bad uh, past previous relationships, mm-hmm. things like that, that caused her to not believe the affections of the harem once she meets them. She has major trust issues when it comes to them, when it comes to her believing that they are legitimately interested in her. Yeah. That is a big focus of the book is her moving past that past experience and learning that what's in front of her is true and is believable. Mm-hmm. So she's very sarcastic, very hardworking, <laughs> and loves to read smut. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there are know, a few questions. <laughs> oh, so you mentioned that your husband provides uh, some inspiration for your harem members. Tell me a little bit about Maggie's harem. Okay, I can't give away names because it's a little that's bit of a secret. Yeah, that's fine. But there is a six foot eight inch tall Irishman mm-hmm. <laughs> with red hair and a very glorious accent. I love that. I also totally claim that one. I have a type. Cinnamon <laughs> rolls are my type. There is always going to be a cinnamon roll in my books. I'm, okay. I'm pretty convinced that that's just going yep. to have to be. <laughs> and Shad is. Uh, half Native American, so he's got the long, luxurious black hair and dark green eyes, and he loves to cook. One of their bonding experiences is she has to teach him how to cook with modern-day implements. He's mm. There's a little bit of a past element okay, without giving away too many yeah. spoilers. Okay. So she has to teach him about modern-day cooking. And then her pocket dragon, Knox, is like... I built the series around the idea of the pocket dragons. Mm-hmm. It, it all sparked off of a meme I saw, which memes and my plot bunnies go hand in hand. I swear <laughs> all of my book ideas start from memes. But it was something about, I want a little dragon to ride on my shoulder to uh, flame people I don't like or something like that. And so that's where the idea of a tiny dragon that could ride on my shoulder came from. And he's also very sarcastic. And snarky, and within <laughs> seconds of them meeting, he kind of threatens to eat her. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> so, there's definitely, I like to think there's quite a bit of humor in the book. Mm-hmm. Some of it's a little bit more 
sarcastic or dirty versus wholesome no, humor, but yeah. hey, mm-hmm. write what you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be back in just a little bit, but definitely stick around, listeners, because I am dying to learn a little bit more about Tani's creative process because I've got some I've got some additional questions, especially about the pocket dragon. Um, so I love that so much. So we're going to take a short break for our advertisements. But remember, don't tune out just yet. These ads are for more Why Choose Reads and you won't want to miss them. Now this one is Altered by M.F. Moody. Hey listeners, check out Altered Part 1 by M.F. Moody. Altered is the first book in a paranormal romance duet. It is set in an interlinked universe with shifters, faded mates, knots, and heats, and where the FMC doesn't have to choose. The FMC Sila is a snow leopard shifter who is brutally and publicly humiliated when her fated mate rejects her with devastating consequences. Her journey of recovery begins when she is sent to the Refesicio establishment and meets altered shifters Kane, Bash, and Knox. This book is a Y choose but has no MM. And again, this is altered by MF Moody. So go check it out. And now we're back to the podcast. And now we're back with Tani and we'll go ahead and dive on in. So we were just talking about characters and um, our inspirations for them. And I loved the pocket dragon, uh, especially in Maggie and just the sarcasm. And, you know, those are all, all traits that I really look for, especially in a female main character. Some authors mentioned that as they're doing the story, you know, writing the story and everything, their characters surprise them while they're writing. Has there been an instance when they've surprised you or if there's been multiple, um, what's your favorite instance of maybe when they surprised you? I don't know about favorite, but everyone says that their characters like argue with them when they're writing or they change the story or things like that. And I really didn't get that with the first book. (laughs) I had it in my head for so long that it really just flowed really well. Mm -hmm. And then I got to my second book and I learned exactly what that statement meant. (laughs) Yep. Because my harems so far have always been three. They've been the the two men and the pocket dragon. Mm -hmm. And you meet the two guys in the end of book one. You get introduced to them and then they get their story in book two And going into this, I was like, okay, Zeke is going to be this grumpy, grouchy, not want anything Mm -hmm. to do with the relationship, cranky, borderline bully, but not bully because I'm not a fan Mm -hmm. of it. And then Jack is going to be the sweet, suave cinnamon roll. Mm -hmm. And then I started writing them and it (laughs) flipped on me 100%. (laughs) Every time I tried to write Jack doing something nice, he screwed it up. (laughs) made a mistake. He did something stupid. And Zeke ended up being the cinnamon roll of the bunch. Oh, man. And Jack ended up being the jerk of the bunch for a good chunk <laughs> of it. It comes out that he had a fairly decent reason, but it completely flipped script on everything I had planned, all the notes I had written. 
it, it did not go how I mm-hmm. intended it. Yeah. It was kind of hilarious. And <laughs> every time I was telling my alphas, I don't have words yet. Jack's being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. That goes back. I think to that um, thing of perfection isn't allowed. Um, <laughs> it's like, no. you have the best plan in the world, but it, if it goes off the rails, it goes off the rails. So it, it does. Sometimes it's your own brain chicken my alpha has started calling my my thoughts brain chickens because they just spontaneously hatch (laughs) it's kind of become our thing so sometimes my brain chickens hatch sometimes they don't sometimes they're cracked (laughs) and i i've had the personality swaps i've had discussions with my alpha spark different ideas that change the whole narrative of what i was going to write because i was going to do like a brownie in book four, like the little cleaning magical mythical creatures. And that devolved into a very (laughs) not appropriate for podcast discussion, but (laughs) it ended with the brownies getting axed. We were traumatized by Dobby, the house elf. And now we've moved on to an angel. It was safer. (laughs) I love that. It was a wild discussion. Yeah. But it surprises (laughs) Yes, it completely changed the trajectory of book four. Yeah. (laughs) So kind of along the plans and plotting line, you know, some people describe themselves more as a plotter. Some people describe themselves more as a pantser. Some people describe themselves as a mix of the two. Where do you think you fall in on when you're looking at a book? In a chaotic blend of the two. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have tried so hard to be a plotter. It's kind of sad. Yeah. (laughs) I have made notes. I've tried journaling. I've tried Word documents. The only thing I found that helps that kind of works is OneNote because it has all the different sections and tabs. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, a notebook for the series and then a tab for each book and then pages for characters mm-hmm. and things like that. And it, it's a wonderful tool. I love it. But my plotting is having a brain chicken hatch while I'm at work in the office, pulling out my phone and making Mm -hmm. frantic notes on one note on my phone and putting it away until I'm ready to write. Mm -hmm. It's always driving for me. So I have to do a frantic voice recording that I then Mm -hmm. have to go decipher later. Yep. Right as I'm falling asleep is another good one for Mm -hmm. me. And sometimes I roll over and grab my phone and other times I fall asleep. And then the next morning I'm like, what was that thought? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was my, I had a great thought last night. Mm-hmm. No idea what it what was. was it? Yeah. I think I did that for, um, I've got a book avoiding the sack that I wrote under a new pending, uh, Maddie Hart this year. And I did that at 1am, some 70% of the way through the book. I was like, they should fight. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I had this really discombobulated phone note at 1 a.m. because I am a deep sleeper. Um, it's like it talks about a fight between two of them. It's it, yeah, it's it's crazy. I like that the term though, when the brain chicken hatches. <laughs> yes, I, I had a whole thing the other night about the brain chickens hatch and then they have to dance under the light of the full moon until they develop into plot buddies. <laughs> And then they come back to the author to be written. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. That, that's what my brain chickens do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it be like that. Like I try to dump my brain into when I start a book, dump it into like a, a Google Doc. And I attempt, I'm getting better because I am god awful at naming things. So I'm getting better about creating a character list at the very start of this brain dump before I get into the scenes because 
in writing Avoiding the Sack, I didn't name give the twins the last name or maybe an eye color until like the last draft. <laughs> so, so I'm like forcing myself for this next one <laughs> to like put everything in. But then I have like this loose, like I feel like a high level outline. Like I need to know where it's going. So mm-hmm. I like we'll probably all, all the way through. But when I before I sit down to write, I kind of will do like a like a detailed scene outline where I sit there and I'm like, okay, well then this and then this and this, I like really step down the scene and then go back and write. It's uh sometimes they do surprise you though. It's always crazy. I, I think my brain likes to mess with me because I have more thoughts for the upcoming book than I do for my current mm-hmm. work in progress. And it happened the same when I was writing book two, I had all these thoughts for book three. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm writing book three, book four is where all of my chickens are hatching and I've been making frantic notes in one mm-hmm. note for book four. So um, have you heard of uh, Becca Syme write better faster? Huh. It's uh, so Becca Syme. She uh, gives a few, she, sorry to, I'm going to butcher this probably a little bit. Um, but she has this online like program called the Write Better Faster Academy. And it's not necessarily about increasing your word count. It's about finding the like, what are your inherent strengths and then managing to your strengths. Because we spend a lot of time and I saw this in the kind of the corporate world, we spend a lot of time managing our weaknesses where we're like, okay, well, we have to get better at this. And so we might spend 80% of our time getting 20% better at a weakness. And so she basically is like, once you know your strengths, you can play to your strengths and then you spend, you know, 20% of your time to get 80% better at a strength. Um, so in, I, I took the class in November of last year and um, one of my strengths, she did, it's the Clifton Strength Finders, the assessment. And one of them is this uh, futuristic. And it's exactly what you just described and everything. It's when you're when you're writing the, the first book, you're already thinking about the second book. Like your brain doesn't allow you to sit and wallow in that kind of first book. It's always on to like the next project and the uh-huh. next thing. And that's why futuristics have a really hard time sometimes celebrating is because like once they complete something, because they're already on to the next thing in your brain and everything. Like everyone always asks, what are you going to do when you celebrate? Like I released Avoiding the Sack end of August and they're like, what are you going to do when you celebrate? I was like, in my mind, I've celebrated and I am already <laughs> on to the next thing. Like I already had the celebration halfway through writing the book and then I was yeah. on to the next thing. I'm the same way because I finished my rough draft of To Call the Cloud, no, of To Heal All Wounds. In the end of June, I sent it off to my editor and I turned around and wrote 43,000 words in book three in the month of July. But then for the month of August, I only wrote six (laughs) because I was thinking about book four. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's such a problem. (laughs) It it really is a problem if I could get my brain on track. But yeah, well, let me amend that because I'm pretty sure Becca Sime would not appreciate me saying it's a problem. It's a strength. I just have to figure out how to use that strength better. <laughs> yes. How do we exploit this tendency? Yes. Yes. I like that. How do we exploit this tendency? I like that. I'm a little bit diabolical. All my friends will tell you that. Like there's 10% of me that is like the diabolical takeover the world type. So like challenging language like that, I love because I'm like, yes, I can like do that. 25 to 27 over here. So we're, <laughs> we're in good company. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. So when you... Do you have, I guess, a p- ideal writing day or a regular writing routine? Or does it kind of 
ebb and flow depending on if you're like have a lot of inspiration or you're working on something. Kind of tell us a little bit about your, if you had an ideal, maybe an ideal writing day. Well, I do work full time at my day job. So most evenings after work is my veg time. Mm-hmm. I write heavily on the weekends, especially since I discovered Focusmate, mm-hmm. which have you ever heard of Focusmate? No. Oh my God. For the ADHD people out there, this thing was a game changer for me. It's uh, It can be a free service. I needed the paid version for more sessions, but you can have up to three sessions a week where it will pair you on a video call just like this, but you have your, hi, this is my goal for the session. You mute yourself and then you work, but it's like body doubling. I love so that. If you're one of those people that works better mm-hmm. it, with someone else there, it was a game changer for me getting book two finished. I love that. It's super affordable. When you do pay for it, you get three free sessions a week. And right now there is a referral code going. So if you're interested, I will happily send you a referral code. But it's, I'm wanting to say 80 bucks a year, but don't quote me on that for unlimited sessions. And I have had like almost 200 sessions now. And that is how I do 95% of my writing at this point. I love that. Okay. And you can like favorite people. So at this point, I was getting paired with strangers, but now I've got one lady where we work almost completely with each other on weekends. Nice. And it's, it's, I don't want to say life changing because that seems kind of dramatic, <laughs> but it really changed my writing process because I'm like squirrel, point, yes. <laughs> notification, food, the dog needs to go out. Yeah. <laughs> Like this keeps me in the moment so I can focus on getting words down. And it has been a huge, huge help to me. Amazing. That's amazing. I love that. Um, When you tell me a little bit about, I love this question a lot. Like, tell me a little bit about how you fill your creative well when it's getting low. Like, are there activities outside of writing? You talked a little bit about photography Mm -hmm. early on. Um, So tell me a little bit about the things you do to kind of refill that creative well and get a little inspiration. I'm a gamer girl. Oh, okay. I'm an avid reader too, Mm -hmm. but I I love online games. I played World of Warcraft for years, but the monthly subscription got to be a little much. The last couple months I've been playing Valheim and Palea, which is free right now. And they're Palea's like Farmville from Facebook, but on steroids. Nice. Okay. Like the farming, the picking the flowers, mm. the mining, <laughs> you get to romance the villagers. It's <laughs> it's a cute little little kid kind of game, but it's geared towards adults. Mm. So I do a lot of gaming. That's kind of my downtime. We'll go out for drives and I'll take photography pictures. I live right at the base of the mountains. So 10 minutes I am up in the mountains, can get all kinds of pictures. I share those on my Facebook group quite a bit. For anybody who doesn't get to appreciate the mountains often enough, I I share all kinds of pictures. Just the little things. That's amazing. Well, we could probably talk forever because I found that most of us authors can about our craft, but unfortunately, that's all the time we have with Tani today. So thank you so much again for joining us. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And thanks so much to our listeners for listening and supporting our podcast. If you're dying for more Tawny Oakland content, head on over to our Patreon for our exclusive behind the scenes questions. You can find the link to our Patreon in the show notes or at patreon.com backslash why choose reads podcast. See you next time.